On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, Major League Baseball is heating up, the run for the Roses impresses, the PGA's growing love for the low country, and the post-draft future of the NFL. It's the Marcus Wall Show, and it's on right now. Clear the mechanism. The Marcus Wall Show is brought to you by Who Baby Child GPS Trackers. Should you come upon a traveling baby, just say, Who baby? Baby, we can do it. Take your time. Do it right. We can do it, baby. Do it tonight. Welcome into the Marcus Wall Show on this Saturday. We are getting closer and closer to uh, the middle part of the season in Major League Baseball. We are, you know, six weeks into it. Time to take a look as we get things underway here at the Major League Baseball standings and the Boston Red Sox, who started off the season in a quagmire, are uh, in first place in the American League East at 20-13. and 13. Six and four in their last ten. They uh, are about the same home and road. Their road record a little bit better at ten and four. The Tampa Bay Rays are in second place at 18 and 16, two and a half games back. The Toronto Blue Jays at 16 and 15, three games back. Hey, we talked about the New York Yankees having the worst record in the American League. Well, that's not the case anymore. They are 16 and 16 at the 500 mark, three and a half games in back of Boston. And then the Orioles of Baltimore at 15 and 17, they are in last place. Four and a half games back. The Chicago White Sox lead by a half game in the American League Central Division at 17 and 13. They've struggled a little bit in their last uh, 10 games. The Cleveland Indians are on fire despite losing last night and getting no hit in the process by the Cincinnati Reds 3 to nothing. But you've got seven games on the road against AL Central division rivals and contenders of Chicago and Kansas City, and you win six of those games, that's going to take you up in the standings quite a bit, as it has for the Cleveland Indians. They're uh, 17-14, and half game in back of Chicago. Kansas City at 16-15, and a game and a half back. And then Minnesota at 12-19, and they continue to struggle. A lot of it has to do, I believe, with their bullpen because offensively they've got some mashers. Starting pitching is pretty dang good. You know, they've, they've got a very good rotation led by Jose Barrios, but the pen, ouch. Again, 12-19, and 19, five and a half games in back of Chicago. And then Detroit is 9-24. and 24. Some folks were expecting Detroit to do some pretty good things this year. They still, they still are very much in rebuild mode at 9-24, nine and 24, nine and a half games out and well out of the running for for anything at this point. The Oakland A's at 20 and 14 lead the AL West by a game and a half over the Seattle Mariners who are at 18 and 15. The Astros of Houston at 17 and 15 and then the two teams at the bottom, the Texas Rangers at 16 and 18, four games out and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim 14 and 17, four and a half games out and uh Albert Pujols likely is done with his major league career. He was let go by the Angels just the other day. Albert, one of the best hitters in all of baseball, certainly one of the best to do it the right way, to do it clean without any performance-enhancing drugs. Um, His career likely coming to an end. Something crazy could happen, but I'm thinking that his career is definitely on its last leg, maybe even its last toe at this point. The Philadelphia Phillies leading the NL East at 18-15. They lead the New York Mets by a game. Give me the Mets! And, uh, of course, Kevin Libby had the New York Mets winning over the Minnesota Twins in the World Series. I had the L.A. Dodgers over the New York Yankees. We will see how those predictions fair out. The Miami Marlins 15 and 16, two games in back of Philadelphia. The Atlanta Braves 15 and 17, two and a half games out. 
And then the Washington Nationals, 13 and 15, two and a half games out. In the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals at 19 and 14, leading the way. The Milwaukee Brewers, the Brew Crew, 17 and 16, two games in back of St. Louis. The Chicago Cubs, two and a half games back, tied with the Cincinnati Reds in that department, two and a half in back of St. Louis. The Cubs have a slight edge on the Reds. Chicago with a 16 and 16 record, and the Cincinnati Reds with a 15 and 15 record. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates, much like the Minnesota Twins and Detroit Tigers, really struggling in their division. Just 13 and 18 so far on the year, five games out of first place. In the NL West, the San Francisco Giants, 19 and 13, leading the way. They lead the way over the San Diego Padres, one and a half out at 18 and 15. The Los Angeles Dodgers over the last 10 games have really struggled. They are 2 and 8, and they are 17 and 16 in third place. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 4 and 6 in their last 10 at 15 and 17. And then the Rockies are in the cellar in the NL West at 12 and 20. Wow. So that's a look at the standings. Still very early as we are just into the second full month of the season. Just getting going in the uh, first week of May. Um, while I'm thinking of it, and I'll mention this again uh, later on when, when Kevin joins me to talk some NFL, some uh, post-draft reaction and the future of the NFL, certainly want to wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day, obviously being that that will be tomorrow. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and uh, hope you are enjoying the Marcus Wall Show. Um, want to talk a little bit about the state of golf in the low country because it is something special what is going on right here in the low country of Hilton Head, Beaufort, and, uh, and Bluff, or I guess Hilton Head and Bluffton. Um, we had the Heritage. It was a great tournament, and Stuart Sink pretty much led from wire to wire, especially down the stretch. He ended up winning the jacket um, for the plaid jacket for the Heritage this year. So congratulations to him. He's from Georgia, so not too far away. And he will be crowning, or uh, he will be, he will not be crowning, but he will be defending his title uh, next season at the Heritage. And then coming up, you've got the tournament over in Kiowa. And great, great venue. Kiowa has played host to a couple of PGA championships. Last time it was a tournament was at Kiowa was in 2012. I think Rory McIlroy ended up winning that tournament, and it was the PGA. Um, it's going to be a U.S. Open over in uh, in Kiowa, I do believe. Uh, just great golf here in the Low Country, and then we've got the Palmetto Challenge or the Palmetto Championship coming up in uh, just a matter of weeks in the month of June from the 10th to the 13th in uh, in Ridgeland, South Carolina. And that's going to be a lot of fun to see that as well. Some great golf and great golfers going to be in that tournament also. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun this summer seeing so much great golf and uh, looking forward to bigger and better things the PGA Championship is in two weeks. It's at the Ocean Course at Kiowa. Next week, the Byron Nelson at the TPC Craig Ranch. And uh, so that's always a big tournament. Wells Fargo currently going on at the moment. And Gary Woodland and Rory McElroy are at the top of the leaderboard, joined by guys like Carlos Ortiz, Luke List, and Scott Piercy. So a lot of great golf going on right now as it continues in the PGA. Cody Era, who played really well in a Heritage tournament here a few years ago, he's tied for seventh along with Victor Hovland, Brian Harmon, who played really well. Uh, Keith Mitchell is up near the top of the leaderboard. Patrick Reed tied 
for 15th with multiple other guys. Guys that are struggling at the moment. Zach Johnson, Jonathan Vegas down near the bottom. And the cut for this tournament was at uh, plus three. Guys like Jason Day, Patrick Cantley, Robert Streb, Nate Lashley, to name a few, that have missed the cut in this tournament. Harold Varner as well, and Harold Varner's played some very good golf over the last couple of weeks. He missed the cut in this tournament. So um, going to be interested to see what they do in uh, future tournaments. Again, the Byron Nelson next week. And then Kiowa is the spot for the uh, tournament in two weeks here again in uh, South Carolina. So going to be going to be great to see that. The Kentucky Derby was last week and my goodness what a fast 3 minutes it was. The fastest 3 minutes in sports as they say. It is the run for the roses. And the Kentucky Derby did impress. It was a beautiful day in Louisville. Your winner was Medina Spirit, trained by Bob Baffert. He trains a lot of winning horses. John Velasquez was the jockey. The final odds was 12 to 1. He won in 2 minutes, 1 second, and 36 milliseconds. And the rest of the results taking second was Mandaloon. And then Hot Rod Charlie ended up taking third. Essential Quality, who was a favorite of most, ended up taking fourth. I, uh, on a whim, went with Highly Motivated with uh, Javier Castellano as the jockey and Chad Brown as the trainer. And uh, Highly Motivated finished in 10th out of 19 horses. King Fury did not participate in the run. And Soup and Sandwich was the final horse to uh, to race and the, the final one of the 19 to get her done. So a great Kentucky Derby. Got another week until the Preakness. And then three weeks from uh, next week will be the Belmont. Of course, the Preakness held in Baltimore, Maryland. And the Belmont is in New York City. Anthony Davis ended up scoring 36 points last night for the Los Angeles Lakers. He got hurt in in the ball game the other night against the L.A. Clippers, and then all of a sudden he's good to go to play, and he played really well against the Portland Trailblazers, again scoring 36 points. LeBron is hoping to be back next week. The case for who's going to win the West, we've talked about it. I've talked to Kevin about it numerous times. It could be really interesting to see, is it going to be a team from L.A.? Kyrie, uh, not Kyrie, excuse me, Kawhi is starting to get things rolling, um, could, as well as Paul George. Could it be the Lakers? Could it be the Nuggets? They're playing very well and continue to. Could it be somebody else other than those three? Could it be the Utah Jazz, who've been pretty much leading the way in the top four seeds all season long? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. The East, it kind of looks right now that it's Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee as the top three. Brooklyn still having trouble getting their big three on the court at the same time, but they, when they get everything going, they look like they are the best team in the East. And without LeBron and with a banged-up AD, Brooklyn looks like the best team in the sport. Um, can't count out Philadelphia. They've got some depth. And with Giannis, the big guy, you can't count out the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Going to be interesting. The uh, regular season will end, and we'll have that 7-10 play-in tournament here, uh, I think, in about a week or so. So in the next couple of editions of the Marcus Walsh Show, Kevin and I will definitely get very much into what's going on with that. Um, As for the rest of this show, 
we are going to definitely talk the state of the NFL post draft and uh, and we'll see what Kevin thinks about some certain things there's a lot of uncertainty about what's going to be going on with the NFL draft it's going to be fun to sit down with Kevin talk about it he joins me right after this on the Marcus Wall show stay right there the music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is brought to you by Tyler Brown Multimedia TBMM Productions. For the best in low country production, call Tyler Brown at 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back to the Marcus Wall Show on this Saturday. Uh, the sec- Actually, I take that back. The It is the second Saturday in May. It's Mother's Day weekend. We had, we had talked about, uh, or I had talked about the Kentucky Derby, which was last week. And it is indeed Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Hope you are enjoying the Marcus Wall Show. Um, Want to get into the NFL Draft. And what a draft it was. Really, there were not many things that surprised me. There were many things out that of surprised about, me. There, Marcus, you killed me on your picks, buddy. There there were not many things that surprised me out of the first, say, about ten picks. And then it really started to get kind of interesting. A lot of picks that I just absolutely loved in this thing. Um, Lead us off with it. What's your favorite? We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, nothing really surprised me about the first five, uh, actually the first four, nothing surprised me at all. I thought Trey Lance was going to go to San Fran and he did. I love the pick for Atlanta getting Kyle Pitts. I expected the top two to be those quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson heading to Jacksonville and New York respectively. And then at number five, I had, uh, Jamar Chase, not being taken. I had uh, Penny Sewell being taken by Cincinnati. They went with Jamar Chase. He was my second uh, pick. Jalen Waddle from Alabama heading to Miami. I had his teammate Devontae Smith heading there, and then Penny Sewell was taken seven. At ten, uh, Devontae Smith went to Philadelphia. At eleven, you got the Chicago Bears taking the quarterback from Ohio State, Justin Fields. And I'm a little bit anxious to see if Justin Fields is going to play right away. Long term, he's definitely the answer. But I I just wonder if he is quite ready for it just yet or if they want him to sit, you know, maybe a month, two months, and then kind of throw him him in there. That'll be interesting, but I think long term – He's the most athletic quarterback they've ever had. Let's let's give him a preseason where he's going to look across the line and stare at Khalil Mack and try to understand yeah. what's behind those eyes. Yeah, there and you go. If he can impress in practice, and you know I loved his games. I watched a lot of Ohio State games thanks to you. I really like him. I I would put him over Andy Dalton to start, but hey, that's just me, and we haven't seen him in practice yet. I loved the Micah Parsons pick. Micah Parsons from Penn State going to Dallas. They had just lost Sean Lee to retirement. Sean Lee was the former middle linebacker. You plug Parsons in there. Parsons was an animal in the Big Ten at Penn State. He clobbered Ohio State all those games that he played against Ohio State and everybody else for that matter. That was one of my favorite picks, my favorite pick of the first round outside of Kyle Pitts and arguably my favorite pick of the entire draft. I loved that pick. I think he is going to be huge in a defense that was soft as, you know, Play-Doh. <laughs> all this stuff is malleable, as I've talked about from time to time on this show. All of it's, you know, we're talking about stuff on paper. We'll see what happens when it actually happens. Well, can you name a better defensive player right now that's performing in the NFC East? He's coming into a division uh, that yeah. does not have a lot of strength. No. Um, are arguably you can throw Chase Young in there. Absolutely. I think Chase Young right now, just off the top of my head, is probably the best player on defense. But if you're in a Cowboys conference, fan, when's the last time you met a uh, modest Cowboys fan? Everyone's got one. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time. Um, 
the picks that really surprised me, and I happen to have a cousin that's a Cowboys fan. We we go back and forth. Big love to your cousin. Quite a bit. A- absolutely. Um, the picks that really surprised me early on were 8-9. and nine. Carolina taking J.C. Horn, the cornerback yeah. from South Carolina. I was very surprised at, uh, at that. And then I thought until Rodgers heads to possibly Denver, well, if, if that were to happen, I would probably go Justin Fields. He wasn't taken. Um, it was Patrick Sertan out of Alabama taken at number nine as the defensive back. So that really surprised me as well. And um, so those, those were really the two surprises in, uh, in the first round for me. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You've got some very good corners from the SEC playing with Carolina and with Denver. Great value picks. I mean, if you're going to be at the top of that draft, you got to pay somebody. If you're going to give someone a lot of money, if they can lock down a corner for you, that's the kind of thing that's never going to come cheap and always be valuable. I thought the Cleveland Browns had a great draft. They started off by taking Greg Newsom, the corner out of Northwestern. Um, I was really impressed with the quarterback scenarios, especially with the backups. Mm. Um, I will get more into Pitts in a second, but I'll start off with the NFC South taking a quarterback from the draft from Florida in the second round. Uh, Tampa Bay ended up taking this guy. Kyle Trask so the quarterbacks that really did well in this draft um, some of the backup scenarios and I'll get back to Atlanta in a second because they certainly got some help too but Kyle Trask backing up Tom Brady in Tampa he was drafted in the second round I really like that pick a lot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I think that he has a chance to really do great things. Doesn't have the strongest of arms, but he's a good, accurate quarterback. I think he has a chance to, in a few years, really do well for uh, for Tampa Bay. And then I really like A.J. McCarron going yeah. as a backup quarterback to Atlanta. I think that he's obviously sat a ton, has a lot of experience you know, learning from different guys. And learning from Matt Ryan will be very good as well, especially with that offense. And uh, it's it's going to be fun to see what Kyle Trask and A.J. McCarron can do. Kellen Mond uh, heading to Minnesota. And then Houston ended up getting Davis Mills. Um, I really like those picks as well. Chuba Hubbard going in the third round to Carolina was really impressive for me. And so there was a, a ton, a ton to like. That was that was just a few of them kind of in the early going Thursday and Friday nights. What's getting me scared, Marcus, is I'm realizing that people are learning how to draft well. So there's a big difference between a program like the Lions where they have new people and you saw they drafted Penny Sewell, and the whole room is lighting up because they really wanted that guy. They got their guy. I'm not worried about the Lions. They haven't proven anything to me yet, in spite of the fact that Sewell's a fine pick. What makes me nervous are teams where I look back two or three years ago and I say, holy cow, these draft picks are coming along. And my favorite example for that is Mike Frabel and the work they're doing in Tennessee. Because I look at the roster in Tennessee, and I see some guys who are two or three right. years in that are just beastly. And then you look at, oh, okay, well, what did they do this year? And they went defense. They started off with what you should do with the first-round pick. They got a corner. They got Caleb Farley. And people thought he was a top-10 talent. Obviously, they're getting him later in the, in the round. I think that's a great pick for them. They got the offensive tackle in the second, which is just what you want for Tannehill, as much time as possible to throw. You know, then moving on down, they got a bunch more defensive guys. They got in the third round a linebacker out of Georgia. They got another corner in the third round, Elijah you know, Molden. Um, that's just eight, round, you know, eight picks behind Monty Rice out of Georgia. A lot of dogs fans out there. I think they are so scary because if you can defend that well on that side of the ball and not give away anything, you know, on the offensive side, Ryan Tannehill can game manage his way to that Trent Dilfer style Tampa Bay Bucks playoff run. Yeah, no question about it. Um, very good stuff there 
no doubt. And I really liked, obviously, what Atlanta did in that first pick in getting a great tight end wide receiver tweener in Kyle Pitts. That offense is legit. Now you, I mean, wow. You gave me credit for thinking about Devontae Smith on the outside. Here's a better way to think about it. Calvin Ridley burning up the outside. Julio that takes at least two people every time because he's so big. And now on the inside, I've been saying he's your Anthony Gonzalez or Tony Gonzalez. The reality is he's bigger than him. Yeah. Uh, he's more of a, what do you think, the kid out of San Francisco? He's not quite Gronk. He's not quite, he's not quite the kid from Kansas City. I don't know. I put him up there as the potential to be – put a ceiling on the kid you just drafted it for. What could he be? Oh, I mm. – You watched a lot of Florida. You're an SEC fan. Yeah, well, I, I view the SEC based off the fact that it's easy to view. Um, I, I would say that he has a chance – Honestly, I think he has a chance, and, and I'm not, I don't think I'm overreaching too much here. I think he has a chance to be like a bigger version of a guy like Chris Carter. I was the same. I was trying to compare him to somebody who's a tight end, and I could only think of wide receivers. He's, he's a big wide receiver. He, he played tight end. He, he fits that tight end mold just because he's a little bit bigger than most wide receivers. But this dude is so freaking skilled as a pass catcher. I got a comp. That, I mean, he is he's going to fit perfectly with Julio for the remainder of Julio's time in Atlanta, however long that'll be. I don't think it'll be too terribly long. But you got um, cause him. Because he's, cause he's you got getting, getting up there. And you got Matt Ryan. Comp, and we'll, and we'll see with that. You got Calvin Ridley. You've got some of the other guys. You've got Mike Davis going out of the backfield. You oh, know I like Mike Davis. What happens if you just drafted Megatron? That's a very good comp. He's he's That's like the kind of comp that makes you happy as a fan. He is fan. like Megatron. Now Megatron did not have. He was a dome receiver. Did not have the talent that you know. Pitts is going to have walking in the door. Right. He also didn't have the level of expectations Pitts is going to have. Because you, you're, the way you said you got about two years on this run before you're going to need another quarterback. Correct. So you got two years to do it. You got the skill to get there offensively. I really like your middle linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. I like the way he covers your A-gaps. I think he's super fast. I don't like your outside game. It's the same thing you said. I don't like the, your ability to lock down the corners. Oh, yeah, No. The way I see football going, and I get it's tough to do this in a dome team, I think the way football's going is that we're getting back towards where it doesn't really matter if you can rush the passer because they're daring you to throw on their catching wide, you know, their, their pass catching cornerbacks on the outside on those wide receivers. I think that that's the easiest way to turn the ball over because I think fumbles seem to be down and picks seem to be up, and the age and experience levels of some of these quarterbacks. I think would inform a defense, and again, if your job on defense is to turn the ball over, be it through three downs or preferably fewer, then turn the ball over through the air. Uh-huh. And that means defend Patrick Mahomes to the extent that you're going to allow him to be contained on the far side of the line of the scrimmage, but not necessarily contained by the pocket. You're not going to try to force him to either side of the pocket. That's not going to distract Patrick Mahomes. But what you can do is make sure he's not getting upfield on you. And you push, you know, it's the same way you defend Cam Newton for all those years when he was 2015 Cam Newton, where it's like, let's just push him, let's let him beat us with his arm. You know, see if he can beat us with his arm. I think that's the best way to turn the ball over on defense, and that's where I think the Falcons could get better. No no question about it. We have talked about my favorite team, per se. We've talked about a few others. There, there are some other teams I want to get to. We'll talk about my surprise um, my most intriguing kind of team going forward. You have some other things that you want to talk about as well. But give us your, uh, your take before we go to break. Give us your take on, uh, on New England and what they did with getting the young man 
at quarterback. Their their new guy. Mac Jones, who I described physically as not an athlete. It's I can't tell you something that you don't know about Mac Jones. As a fan of college football, you would have watched his his games. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that everything you saw in the tape is what he is. I at least hope that's the case. He sure looks good on tape. I don't know. Uh, 15 is awesome. I had no expectation. I like Justin Fields actually better as a pick. I think that Justin Fields has more opportunity relative to the way that the Chicago football team plays to really that team fits him. What I like most about Matt Jones is the fit. I think he's going to a program that runs a West Coast offense with a power run. Uh, I think he's going to have some bigs up front that are super strong and maybe taller than him sometimes. And I think you're able to work through, you know, invention, improvisation. These are the things that are going to make a New England Patriots quarterback successful. And I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to see the kid in preseason. Let's see what happens. When we return, we're talking, let's focus on a couple of divisions of, uh, of this new look NFL post-draft Uh, I'm going to give you a team that I think is very intriguing, not so much for what they did in this year's draft, but moving forward as they look now and certainly based off what their competitors in the division did. Uh, I'll give you that. I'll I'll ask Kevin the same thing. And uh, we're going to talk Aaron Rodgers and how this whole thing works around him and then you wanted to talk about a couple of guys. I know John Elway being one. You're going to uh, bring up my fears. Yes, let's discuss in detail the things for which I am paranoid, like John Elway's ability to just rip apart my childhood and now be doing it again <laughs> with his picks. It's all coming up right after this on the Marcus Wall Show. I can only do it one way. Country Texas Walker, I'm the sensei. Floor sharper than ten blades. I've been doing this for your belly. On May 22nd, venue 1223 in Bluffton will be hosting Bluffton's first Low Country Wellness Connection, because after all, health is the best wealth. The event takes place from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Venue 1223 is located on May River Road in Bluffton, 29910. There will be a $5 admission along with live music, raffles, chances to shop, and more. Get to know healthy, like-minded small businesses in your community, because again, health is the best wealth. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show. We have a question for you all. We're burying the lead, Marcus. What we really should have been asking this whole time is, where in the world is Aaron Rodgers going? Rodgers, kid. On the move, mayhap. Certainly wants to be. Yes. Um, He definitely does not want to be in Green Bay any longer, it would seem. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's not at fault because I think he could be handling this a little bit differently. In a divorce, you really can't blame but, either one. There's a whole you know, marriage yeah, behind it. It's it's just a tough, tough situation. So Aaron Rodgers did not like Mike McCarthy. He does not like the present administration. If you're a front office GM, what to you says, you know what, give me some of that? It's, Besides his Jeopardy performance, which all, was lovely. It, it was quite quite well, quite well done. Um, it's all about what he does on the field, in, in my opinion. Aaron is, as I had just said, and, and I'm going to stay with this, obviously, he's not handling this as well as some maybe would, but... With what he's got, he still could play, in my opinion, in the AFC for one of three teams. Okay. And uh, and I think those three teams are in this order. Where in the world is Aaron Rodgers going? Number one, Denver. Oh. I think I think he with the Denver Broncos would be legit. You've got Cortland Sutton, a very good wide receiver. I really liked the uh, Javante Williams draft pick out of North Carolina that Denver has. That's a good running back from the ACC. You've you've got some talent on offense. They're Look at those tight kind ends. Of, kind of in the need of a quarterback anyway. Got good tight ends. You throw him in there. I think you've got an offense, while it's not the same as Atlanta, 
and how talented that Atlanta offense is. Right. Or could be. A different level of ceiling. It's in there. Yeah. It's a different level of ceiling, but it's in that elk. Um, If you've never tried elk, by the way, it's a very tasty meat. Mm. Um, It's it's in that genre of of offensive wherewithal. Yeah. Um, I think... The Las Vegas Raiders as well would be really intriguing. Mm. You had John Gruden, who coached for Brett Favre, was his offensive coordinator in Green Bay when Favre got there. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers. A lot of comparisons between Favre and Rodgers just for the organization that they played at, uh, played with. And I think I saw in about the last week, this is about as long as Brett Favre and Bart Starr played for Green Bay before they left for other pastures. So that's another sign that, you know, it might be time for Aaron Rodgers to head somewhere else. I got a wrench on the Raiders. That, that would be that would be interesting to see. And the Raiders have had very dynamic, you know, Hall of Fame type quarterbacks going back years. Rich Gannon um, is certainly one that comes to mind. Uh, he might be the only one that really comes to mind, actually, because they've had busts like Jamarcus Russell as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I just, something about Gruden with that Green Bay elk, I, I really like the idea of uh, of the ball coach, John Gruden, and the Las Vegas Raiders oh, getting Aaron Rodgers. Now, coming into this, I'm getting ready to pick on you, Marcus. I'm like, Marcus, there's no way John Gruden knows how to run a cap. There's no way this guy who figured out how to get the Bucks to a ring with, you know, Warren Sapp in there on a ridiculous number. There's no way he knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, actually, if the Raiders really wanted to go for it, they could cut Derek Carr, save $22 million in cap, have dead money at 2.5 mil, and there's your $22 million for Aaron Rodgers. So my point was going to be, no way would they have the way. Oh, oh, God. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> It appears that if they Uh-oh. wanted to, well. They could. So a John Gruden-Aaron Rodgers combo, pretty scary. You know that I can get into how John Elway with, with Rodgers would haunt my dreams. But there's one yeah. more place. Where in the world would Aaron Rodgers go? So tell me, what's your third? Houston. Ah, tell me more. Three, three years ago, I think Houston would have been a legit shot at this. And if it was three or four years ago, they would be that Super Bowl contender that we're talking Denver could be. Not saying that they will be, but that they could be. Outside completely from the whole Aaron Rodgers thing Mm -hmm. that maybe people are feeling about the NFC West. And I'll get more into the NFC West in a little bit. But that they're feeling about the NFC West with Seattle, L.A., Arizona. Um, You know... Even though their defense still needs a lot of work, a lot of people, I think, think the offensive setup for Atlanta has a chance to be kind of a Super Bowl-caliber offensive setup. My, my whole thing is that Houston now, they don't have J.J. Watt. Mm-mm. They will not have Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson will not be playing football um, here very, very soon. It's just the writing is on the wall for Deshaun Watson. Um they they've struggled. They've got a head coach that I'm not really a big fan of from what he's saying right now. They've got there's so much bubble bubble toil and trouble <laughs> turmoil and all of that stuff. It's it's like ah, it, it's like Hades from well, from the movie Hercules and he's on fire. Just, it's it's just not a good situation. And you're saying right Aaron Rodgers is going to come in on a cloud. And it will be people person Aaron Rodgers that plays for isn't the G- let, let let me let me say this. I'm I'm teeing it up and, and then I'm saying it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. I think Aaron Rodgers would be much better off if he wants to play for another team um, next year, if he wants to continue to play, I should say, his best bet would either be Denver. I think Denver is his best situation. I think Vegas is his second best situation. And then you've got Houston, just because I know they're in the need of possibly a quarterback. They did draft Davis, Mill, uh, Davis Mills, so there's that. Kellen Mond, the other quarterback, I think I had mentioned this earlier, went to Minnesota in the third round on, sat- on a Friday night. 
late Friday night. So those are the three teams. I would go Denver, Vegas, and Houston. Houston seems, just because of the need that they have and everything, like the obvious choice. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, you don't want to play for that team. Moreover, because it stinks. If you're the Texans, do you want Aaron Rodgers at $22 million to go 500 or? Right. No. Would you rather have the first pick in the draft, which I think is where they're angling? Right. You want to rebuild and go from ground up. The Raiders intrigue me. I'm not yet scared of them because I haven't had the time to uh, have a nightmare on it. But you're a child of the 90s. I am. Born in 1988. Can I remind you, this is a little obscure because my Patriots were playing, but do you remember when Shannon Sharp on the sideline picked up the phone to the coaches upstairs and said, I called the president. President, we need a National Guard. We need as many men as you can spare because we are killing the Patriots. My point is, the Broncos in the mid-90s were the most unstoppable force in football. Yes, they were. They had exceptionally talented defense. Terrell Davis. He was the math. How Alabama Rod, got the ring. Rod Smith. In the slot, the ultimate receiver. Yeah. And Shannon Sharp. Shannon tight Sharp. Um, Ed, McCaffrey Big Ed McCaffrey as well. He was a slot receiver. But, again, the same coverage space where you're going to have a linebacker trying to cover either the speed and size of Ed McCaffrey or Rod Smith, who was technically a wide receiver but really running the slot routes. You know, all in front for Elway, who has a big arm. He's six foot six tall. He's enormous. And he's looking over this line that could take care of him. The Broncos are a really cool team when they're good. Yes, they are. They're playing in Mile High Stadium. You have to have a certain caliber of player that can run that long in the thin air. You know, you can't run necessarily what you see in Chicago and New England and places where it's cold weather and they're ready to play in the snow in the winter to win a football game in the playoffs. Right. Mile High Stadium in the playoffs is an anomaly. Look at what happened to the Raiders over the years when they went into that trap. Yes. The home field advantage in Denver is up there with the home field advantage in Seattle. Uh Uh-huh. If you give what John Can- Elway, Kansas City too because of the the noise, noise and the people, yeah, yep. but also biggest stadium in, in uh, it's the NFL, right? Right, collegiate football. Excuse me, is a Nittany Lions. So, if you're gonna try to win in the AFC right now, and you get a crack at Aaron Rodgers, and obviously the Peyton Manning is the prototypical lane that you want to follow here, does Von Miller have anything left? Well, you're paying him seventeen million dollars, so you sure think so. You have some really good offensive tackles and linemen they're young and developing i don't know if they're good enough to protect the guy of rogers caliber and if he gets hurt you're in a lot of trouble what i like is they built the outside up i mean specifically their tight ends where they have the kid whose name i'm not going to try to pronounce he's big and he can run block and then on the other side they have the guy that can catch and and the broncos fundamentally can control the football they want a playoff game with tim tebow i mean it's not like it has to be perfect they're better if they get him compared to Drew Locke and you actually throw a little more money in the defense. It could be terrifying. If they're not going to, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Chiefs, but if you want somebody that could beat the Chiefs if they have a couple injuries or somebody that's just otherwise going to be better than most of the teams in the AFC, correct? There'll be a team that goes from a bottom five to a top five in one move, without question. That's uh that's really the interesting part of it. That's the biggest game changer out there. And while we were talking about Ed McCaffrey. I was thinking about Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And thinking about Christian McCaffrey made me think of this. One of the great picks that was made in this draft, in my opinion, it was my favorite pick of round four, so we're talking Saturday, is uh, is Chuba Hubbard to Carolina. My favorite pick of round three, we're saying... Round three. We're, we're, oh, we're, where in the... No, 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 wait, wait. You want it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here it comes, baby. Where in the world is... Aaron Rodgers going. Okay. We're, ta- we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. One thing that will make me think that he and the Packers could continue this... Uh, Mowage. This mowage, this, this marriage. This Princess Bride reference for the folks. Yes, indeed. Is the pick that they got... In round three, it was my favorite pick of round three, Amari Rodgers, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Could you imagine Aaron throwing to Amari and throwing to Devontae Adams and then having you know, the great running back Aaron Jones that he does? That 
is my only way of thinking that things will work out in the frozen tundra Lambeau Field. Bring on the cheeseheads. That is the only way I see this working between the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The only way. I think Amari Rodgers is a flat-out stud. Well, just because they have the fancy car and just because your mother-in-law gets you all the gifts you ever wanted, if they don't love you, it's still time to move on. It's true. That said, the right football move for Aaron Rodgers is to stay in Green Bay and go get a ring. Yes. Yes, it is. He was knocking we're, on the door. Are we're talking same? about where should he go, whatever else. The right move is for him to stay in Green Bay and get a ring. I completely agree. But if John Elway comes knocking and says, kid, we're going to give you a chunk of the you know ownership stake in the franchise. <sighs> Come get some of this. We're going to be in Denver. It's a mile-high city. You can play till you're 50. Do you like Denver omelets from the Jack in the Box Grill or whatever <laughs> it's called? I've never had a Denver omelet. I'm not a fan of eggs, but if I'll you eat a like Western that. omelet until it turns east. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> you line it up, I'll put it down. <laughs> I like them. That is the line of the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Green eggs and ham, I, I'd put those away too. But I'll tell you this. I went to Denver on a, on a trip. I went to Red Rocks and saw a concert. And on that trip, we were trying to budget, so we discovered that if we just had a big breakfast, we could skip lunch. So rather than buying breakfast and lunch, we would just go get a, basically the biggest country breakfast we could find. And that's uh, how I discovered a, a little dish called, I was in Denver, Colorado, and discovered my first plate of huevos rancheros, which is uh, the book I call the cowboy breakfast. Right. Find a better breakfast, and I'll eat that too. But Marcus, eat, eat, eat. Ro- you know, Rogers brings the goods. If if I ever go to Denver, now now we're talking about food. If I ever go to Denver, I'm going to the Buckhorn Exchange, and I'm getting myself some elk with the cherry Cabernet glaze. I've had the elk burger at uh, Street Meats on Hilton Head Island. I'm actually craving that burger lately, so I'm going to have to go back there and get it again because it's it so good. Street Meats, delicious, um, Ohio buy. You, I have a... You mind if I share a story about yeah. one of the times that I actually had a meal at a restaurant with you, my friend? As long as I didn't do anything too ridiculous. Well, I thought it was a little bit unusual. Well, try, let's share it with the world. What did I do? Have you folks out there that will be listening to this ever thought of putting chicken wings on a burger? You oh, got the a- burger at Street Meats with yeah. chicken wings on it. I got my, before I found out about this elk burger... Um, or I should say, before I tried the elk burger, I was a I was a hot dog guy. A couple of hot dogs with the coney sauce and the relish and mm. fries and whatever else, and so good. Oh yeah. Um, I'll get that at the stadium I, I every had, time. I had seen that from you. You got the, whatever that burger. I think it was like called the Prometheus Burger or something. Something I and it had all, chicken would, wings on it, and I was just like, "Wow!" Once they started putting calories on the menus, I said to myself, "If I'm going to get a lot of calories for the dollar, let's just stack them tall." <laughs> there you go. Not a bone-in chicken wing on the burger. Just to be clear, there's no bone that's going to attack you post bun. And, and it's and that's true. If ever you wondered who thinks a turducken is a good idea, well, what you do is you take some meat and you shove some other meat in yes. there. Yes, I'm your guy. I I also I've never had it. Have you had it? I have actually not had it. I have not either, but I want to try it. Yeah, pretty much anything off a stick. Because I, I like turkey, and I like chicken. And you know you like duck. And I love duck. Yeah. Uh, I tried duck for the first time in Paris in uh, 2012 and fell, home, fell in love with it. It's, it's, it's pork with wings. <laughs> I'm starting to salivate. We should move on. Um, when we come back on the Marcus Walsh Show... I'm going to talk the NFC West because I think there's a very intriguing couple of scenarios that could happen there. I'm going to ask you about your most intriguing division and a couple of scenarios in your mind. And uh, we we certainly talked about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we've got more to do on the Marcus Walsh Show. We'll be back right after this. The Marcus Walsh Show is brought to you by who? Doggy, dog collars with GPS included. 
If you lose your dog, just say, Hey man, you see my dog? Ooh, doggy. Back to the show. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show. We've got one more segment for you on this Saturday. Hope you're enjoying it wherever you may be. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a great day and uh, should be a beautiful day here in the uh, Low Country. I hopefully am going to get out on a golf course and golf with my parents after church tomorrow. So, going to be great. Um, want to talk about a couple of divisions, but. First off, I want to talk about a couple of picks that the Cleveland Browns had. Oh, yeah. Cleveland Browns had a great draft. Big fan of getting the uh, the guy from Notre Dame. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa was a great pick. Um, I really liked their late pick on Saturday as well, getting LeCount, the safety from Georgia. I think that guy is a beast. Um couple of big picks there by the Cleveland Browns. I thought the Cleveland Browns had a very good draft. But the division that intrigues me the most, putting on my complete objective uh my complete objectivity cap. Doesn't sound very stylish this cap. Is no, it's not. Um compare it to a Cam Newton cap. Are we talking is, about like the cowboy hat with like some bedazzle? Uh the, the yeah. I'm objective hat. Is that a hat where you have like, you know, free form or is it like a really rigid hat like i wear my hat as do the other objective people and we march in order describe your hat it's well this hat is is completely just based off what i think you know favorites and all that stuff out of it no heart involved no heart involved it's a bland it's it's just blah um this this blah hat. You're gonna officiate a football game in this white hat. Give us your call. Holding on the offense, number twenty-seven, <laughs> five-yard penalty, no, 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 first no. down. The other call. The other call. Uh, Give I, us your objective I, perspective. Right. I will. <laughs> I will say we are off the rails. I will say that the NFC West is very, very enticing. Very, very intriguing. I teased it before the draft, and I'm going to tease it after the draft. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be a team to really look out for. They are a team that does not have a first-round pick, along with Chicago, San Francisco, and L.A. next season. Can they rebound? And could they be kind of the tweener team of getting somewhere. Wilson looks like he's going to be staying. They only had three picks this year. Again, no first-rounders next year. Real quick, the teams with two first-rounders next year are the Giants, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Jets. Those teams might be on the move to try to take a step up in their divisions. Seattle goes where Russell Wilson takes them, and... They are going to be interesting, but I tell you the team that interests me more than any in that division mm. is the Arizona Cardinals. They've, hey. got, they've got some running backs. They've got Kyler Murray, who mm. can do it all. Very flashy guy. They've got Larry Fitzgerald. They have A.J. Green. they got Rondale Moore out of Purdue in the draft. I mean, they've got... A, that's just on offense. On defense, they've got a guy by the name of J.J. Watt who, if he can stay healthy, is still one of the best big men in the, in the defensive line for, uh, for most teams. J.J. Watt, ever heard of him? He's just, I think he has a chance to be really, really good in Arizona, you know, based off, off what they've done. They've got a lot of really good players and I could make a case for Seattle, L.A., Arizona, any of those three teams winning that division. I think it's going to be a stacked division. San Francisco in a couple few years might be right there with them with Trey Lance. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's time for Pete Carroll yes, we're and the coaches. Seattle Seahawks yes. to rise up because... 
the Arizona Cardinals, and even the L.A. Rams. But the Arizona Cardinals are literally a team to look out for to make a deep run. I think right now you would have to go either L.A. or Arizona winning that division this uh, this upcoming season. Who's a lot of pressure on Pete Carroll. That's what I want to get to. Who's the best coach in that division? Um, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury of the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, what Cliff Kingsbury he's, is. He's young. We're discovering what he is. What he is. Not yeah. Bruce Arians. Uh, Sean McVay is him now. a guy that's very inventive. has mm-hmm. has an elk working with a with a tree. How many elk references on this one? Um, several. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good several. On the, the, the elk lobby will be happy. Um, I I would have to say the best coach. In that division, Go ahead and say it. is probably Pete Carroll. Okay, so. I mean, and that's not even mentioning Shanahan, mm-hmm. who has like been known Kyle. to do some good things yeah. as as an offensive and guy. I like Lynch, I like but the I would, infrastructure. I would, I would probably say, I agree. It's so Pete Carroll. you're talking about putting pressure on Pete. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think so. Do you think Russell Wilson's going anywhere? A couple months ago, you know, or a month ago when we started this whole venture, and I said, he could end up in New York. He could end up with the Las Vegas Raiders. Can you imagine Woo! his wife with the Raiders? Woo, doggies. Woo, doggies. All right. Woo, doggies. He's not it's Chicago been a, either. been a while since I said that. So, and not with Chicago either. I thought Chicago might be the answer. You're a music guy, Marcus. What's the song uh, they sang? Man. Kumbaya, Marcus. Kumbaya. <laughs> I guess I'm having a kumbaya moment because it's it's looking like Seattle's going to have Russell Wilson stand put. I agree. Pete Carroll stand put. Mm-hmm. Can those two guys work their magic with the rest of this team? Only having three picks Wait, you like, in the you like draft. It's like uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what takes place. Wait, you like winning, and I like winning. The NFC West has my objective eye this year as a dangerous division, and Seattle better come ready for it because there are a couple teams right on their tails. Bill Simmons is from Boston, and I really like him. And you were enjoying a 30 for 30 recently, produced by Bill Simmons. So Simmons talks about this thing called the secret he learned I think from Isaiah Thomas. And the idea is that the secret to any championship team beyond just what wins championships? Defense. Defense. Yeah. What informs on defense, especially in football, 11 guys? Chemistry. Yeah. So the secret is you have to make sure that your team likes each other. How does Kyler Murray seem as a teammate? I think he seems like a pretty daggone good teammate. How does Cliff Kingsbury seem in terms of a culture builder? He's he's young and... He's he's been challenged a lot by guys, but it seems to be working. You know, you've got AJ Green with that team as well, um, coming over there in the off season from Cincinnati. I I really like this Arizona team. So you got the playoffs. You got the track record of Pete Carroll in the playoffs, which is not actually a particularly bad track record, right? In spite of the Malcolm Butler catch. Pete Carroll in the playoffs versus young Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, who you really can't account for as a playmaker against Russell Wilson, who you really can't account for as a playmaker. We're going to get two previews of that before a playoff matchup, but boy, is football yeah. fun. Oh, is it ever. What's your uh, division to look out for? Also and from the NFC, right? NFC South, yeah. I think they're exciting. Kyle Pitts makes the Falcons into an offense. Oh. Oh, I can't wait to see so that. So you're going to see Tom Brady and the Bucks go against the Falcons with this new gas in the tank twice. That'll be fun. What do you think about the Carolina Panthers Ooh. twice a year? Because they're, they're kind of a fun team, huh? What do you think about the quarterback position there? Um, I, I think that Carolina is definitely still a little ways away. I call him Savior Sam. And one day, I, I like you might too. I like Sam Darnold getting out of New York. Um, here, here. I, I think he has a chance to do 
some things, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if they can take that next step because you've got the two teams that right now look like the favorites in the division in Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, solely because we're not really sure how New Orleans is going to gel. Um, that is your wild card now. And then you've got Carolina that is a team that was down near the bottom. Yeah, they're kind of starting to work to the their way up. They're rising Maybe a little bit. Grim. It's uh, it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be fun as a fan of the NFC South. It's going to be fun to see how the whole thing shakes out. Now, do we want to talk about the flip side of the coin and the embarrassment of uh, what's the opposite of riches? Do you want to spend any time on the Giants, the Eagles? The Cow- you want the you Cowboys? Know, Cowboys fun yet? You know, I I really think that the Cowboys and Washington, the football team, Dallas, a nice draft from the Washington and Washington team. are yeah. the two best teams in that division. I liked what the Eagles did in getting Devontae Smith, and you know, did if you like my comp, I gave if you a Hertz, comp. if Hertz can can have that success with Devontae Smith, right? I didn't mention this yet, but. All of the teams that have quarterback and wide receiver reunions, I instantly love. Is he Deshaun you know, Jackson? They're they're great. Is Deshaun oh, is, 2.0. Is, Deshaun uh, Jackson was the man. Yeah, Deshaun Deshaun definitely was. Is Devontae Smith Deshaun Jackson? 2.0. He could be. The size, the speed. Is he going to do anything kick returning? Is he going to be a special teamer? I don't know. I hadn't watched much. I, in Bama, was he? I would protect him a little bit in Bama, but he was protected. I would say no. Yeah, just because he's small. The body. I mean, he's fast, but he is small. So, you, so I would say no. You have to know how to get down. When but you're I, that size. Yeah, right. Um, I really like what Philadelphia did. I think it's it's all going to come down again. I I hate to sound redundant, but it's all going to come down to two guys on offense for the New York Giants. It's going to come down to Daniel Jones. What can he do? And can Saquon Barkley just freaking stay healthy? I think so. I mean, Saquon, I had visions of, in, in that draft, I had visions of Saquon Barkley in New York, and I had visions of Dwayne Haskins joining him, mm-hmm. having a Big Ten quarterback-running-back tandem for the New York football Giants. It obviously didn't happen. be interesting to see what uh, Dwayne Haskins does in Pittsburgh as the backup to Ben Roethlisberger, who is on his last pinky at this point, I think. hold a clipboard and uh, maybe pick up some bar tabs for Ben. Uh, Well, yeah, I would think, but, I mean... I just I really thought that Ben Roethlisberger should have retired at the end of last year. As, as painful as it would have been, I just I think the guy has just had his body banged in, you know, one too many times. And obviously he's not going to listen to me. But I think he's going to listen to his bank account. Uh, yeah, and, and I would too. I'm just saying as a as a spectator of the sport, as a as a fan of the sport, yay. 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 <laughs> Oof. I just I didn't care for it. Him him coming back. I I don't see it going well in Pittsburgh. I told you before and and you got on my case about it. I think Pittsburgh's an extreme enigma. I think they are definitely a third or fourth place team at this point. Um I could see them doing about 500, but I could see them doing quite a bit worse too. Um I I did I did like uh, them getting Najee Harris. All right, so Najee that was, Harris. That was a nice pick. That's what I'm saying is that they draft linebackers, wide receivers, they power run, they tend to really pay for offensive line play. I like Charlie. Is it Charlie Villanueva? What's the Villanueva? There's a right guard they have. I like um, Antonio Villanueva. Yeah, he seems like a pretty solid pull guard. Which means and, he- and actually, I don't even think he's there anymore. This is what I get for not following the current rosters. On the I teams. think he's with. I think I just saw the other day he's with Baltimore. No, Charlie Villanueva. Which Villanueva? So you're right. The Steelers might not be very good. Yeah. Um, the Steelers run the football. 
Uh, well, I mean... Because I had all this high we'll hopes see. for their offensive line. You're telling me that Villanueva is not with them anymore. I don't think he is. Damn it. I'm just upset for being wrong. I'm not upset for the situation. It's ah. just like, really? Gone? Why wouldn't they pay him? Well, what did you think of, while we're going back to reunions, what did yeah. you think of uh, Trevor Lawrence reuniting with his running back there in, in Jacksonville? I think you draft to make your quarterback happy. That's a smart GM move. Generally, if you have a happy quarterback, you have the secret. Yeah. So Alejandro Villanueva. Alejandro, that's right. The worst kept secret in Baltimore has finally come to fruition. According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, the Ravens have signed former Pittsburgh Steelers offensive tackle Alejandro Villanueva to a two-year contract. The deal is worth $14 million with $8 million guaranteed. That is a steal. Yes. And especially because it came from the Steelers. So, in the division, they underpaid for a Pro Bowl guard. Wow. I guess he's saying his offensive tackle. I would put him at right guard. Uh, I guess you'd run at right tackle. But, yeah, he, like, totally changes the trenches, and they just bought him for $7 million a year. Okay. So, the Steelers might not win this year. It's going to be interesting. And Ben Roethlisberger might be contributing to them not winning. Hmm. Possibly. Well, is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? Yeah. No. I agree. I don't think so. <laughs> Why didn't they draft a quarterback? I don't know. Why did it take Green Bay so long to draft a wide receiver? Again, the only reason, the only way I see Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay is because Amari Rodgers has a chance to be off the freaking hook. Off the chain. That guy has a chance to be so dang good. Um, anything else from you, good sir? Marcus, happy Mother's Day. Same to you and yours, my friend. That'll do it for this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. For Kevin, I'm Marcus. We'll uh, see you again soon. This has been the NFL Draft Edition of the Marcus Wall Show. Have a great day, everybody.